0: Well, good morning. morning. Don't worry, it has a, a reason why. Let me move this step over here. All right. So that is probably one of my favorite movies of all time, and that scene is probably one of my favorite scenes of all time. And the reason why I show it this morning is is because it, I think it's one of the best pictures of what we have for what Jesus is talking about in this parable. right? You have Aragon and his Gimli and King Theoden sitting there trapped in the castle keep. And then all of a sudden you see Aragon, who if you look at the, the character development of the movie, when he gets to the Helm's Deep area, the whole thing, he doesn't want to fight. Like He is, I don't want to do anything. He's kind of being not really a, a character we thought he was, and so he comes, and they're standing there, and he remi- he's reminded of what Gandalf said five days before, right? And we all know, probably, said you know, the first light on the fifth day looked to the east. And sure enough, Gandalf, and we can go into all the images of what Gandalf is, uh, arrives with a massive army and saves everyone. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 25, and if we look, to this clip, we see that Aragorn anticipated the arrival of their Savior. We see Gandalf come, and they all look, and then thousands and thousands of Calvary come. Aragorn remembered what Gandalf said five days earlier. And he watched for him. He anticipated him. And this scene beautifully reminds us of what Jesus was telling His disciples towards the end of the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 25... Or 24.3, Jesus' disciples are sitting with him on the Mount of Olives. And they ask him this question. and And it says, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of you coming to the end of the age? His disciples wanted to know what they should look out for. We see Aragon looked for the first light to the east. So as disciples of Christ, as people who are waiting for Jesus to come back, what should we look for? And Jesus intended to give his disciples a prophetic overview of the events to transpire both in the near and distant future. Jesus being Jesus didn't come out and tell the answers to the question right away. He was going to tell a parable because that's how Jesus is. And so he didn't tell us the exact time or date. We see Gandalf told Aragorn, first light on the fifth day, Look to the east. But we don't have that. Jesus doesn't tell us in the year 2050, look to the east on the first ladder. So he doesn't tell us that. And after His disciples asked Him the question, Jesus went on to give four parables. And we know parables are, are stories with meaning. And He ex- uses four parables to explain to His disciples how and why they should prepare for His coming. But it's important for us to look at Why did Jesus' disciples even ask this question in the first place? For that, we need to turn back to Matthew chapter 3. In Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist is is around. And in in Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, it says In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judah. And he's saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. John the Baptist knew that Jesus' coming ushered in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, has come near to people because Jesus has come to the earth. Jesus himself even makes reference. On the arrival of the kingdom of heaven, and specifically tells his disciples in the crowd that it is at hand through himself. If we go to Matthew chapter thirteen, verse twenty-four, he put another parable before them, saying, "The kingdom of heaven be, may be compared to a man who sowed good seeds in his field." And so then his disciples asked again, "Jesus, what does this parable mean? What does the parable of this the sower mean?" And then in Matthew. 13, verses 36-7, through 7, Jesus says, Then He left the crowds and went into the house. And His disciples came to Him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. So we see that the kingdom has come. Right? John the Baptist told us early in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus Himself makes reference. It has come. I am here. The kingdom of heaven is here. But then... We know how the story ends. Jesus is going to be crucified. He's going to raise on the third day. In Matthew 16.21 we read, From that time Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed on the third day, be raised. So we see this pattern. We see this pattern of the kingdom of God being announced through Christ. That Christ comes and he references himself. Listen, the kingdom of heaven is here now. In Matthew chapter 16, we see that Jesus' face is now turned towards Jerusalem. And from then on, we see from Matthew 16, we see Jesus talking about his death and resurrection more often and preparing for the crucifixion. So his disciples ask what I think is an appropriate question. It's a question we want to ask sometimes too Jesus, when are you going to come back? What will it look like? They want to know what is going to happen. They've heard Jesus talk about the kingdom of heaven. They've heard Jesus tell His disciples that He has ushered in the kingdom of heaven. They've heard that Jesus must go die and be resurrected. So how does Jesus answer this question? And that's where we go to our text this morning. So we see this pattern of Jesus preparing His disciples. And His disciples are sitting on the Mount of Olives just, you know, hanging out, chilling, drinking some coffee, doing whatever. And they asked Jesus this question, and this is how Jesus responds. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there would be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And so this morning, Matthew 25 1 through 13, I, I think, shows us three things. And these, I think, are very important for us. Is The first one is to be watchful, be a disciple, and be authentic. We're going to spend some time unpacking these phrases, so I encourage you to take notes or just remember these three phrases, right? Take a mental picture of, of this or just remember these three phrases. Before we unpack these these phrases. I just want to first point out some important things about the, the parable as a whole. The first thing I want to mention is the phrase ten virgins. Our minds might in, immediately go somewhere. However, it's important not to get wrapped up in their sexual history because it really has nothing to do with the overall application of the parable. For Jesus and his disciples, ten virgins just means ten young girls. And then the next phrase... I want to just quickly unpack is bridegroom. And we we've, we've probably heard this phrase before. Uh, it's mentioned a lot in the Bible and the phrase is really important for us to understand in order to see the big picture of the parable. The bridegroom in this parable is referring to Jesus. In fact, in Matthew chapter 9 verses 14 through 15, Jesus himself mentions and calls himself the bridegroom. He says, Then his disciples of John came to him, saying, What do we and the Pharisees fast? Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Call the wedding guests, mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. Paul writes extensively about the the bridegroom. One of the places is is Ephesians 5. We won't read all of it, but the bridegroom is mentioned A lot in scripture, and Jesus himself calls, for Jesus calls himself the bridegroom. So let's unpack some of the truths this parable shows us. And the first one is to be watchful. We saw in, in the Lord of the Rings clip, as Aragon rode out of Helm's Deep, he was glancing, he was looking for Gandalf. He was watching for him towards the east, and Aragon knew the exact day and time. Gandalf was going to return. However, we do not know the exact time or hour Jesus will return. So we have to be watchful. In fact, if we go back to Matthew chapter 24, in verse 42, Jesus tells the disciples, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. The ten virgins all were responsible to keep watch for the bridegroom. That's what their job, they were anticipating. They were watching for the bridegroom. It was a custom for the groom and his friends to leave his home and proceed to the home of the bride, where the marriage ceremony was conducted, often at night. After this, the entire wedding party returned to the groom's home for a celebrating banquet. So the ten virgins were diligently waiting for the bridegroom. As though they did not know when he will come. So they're sitting there watching. Their eyes are are fixed on the street, They're, they're anticipating. Jesus is telling his disciples that we need to be watching diligently for his arrival. Right? So we need to watch diligently. We need to be watching for the return of Christ. But there's a question that we need to answer how should we watch? Am I going to just sit here and just wait for Jesus to come? No. (laughs) Amen. Right? Should we stare out our window waiting for an Amazon package to come? Like that? Oh, Jesus is going to come, right? Should we go on top of a mountain and look at the night sky? Oh, come on, Jesus. Should we never sleep? No, watching does not mean looking out your window and waiting. It does not mean to go up on a mountain and stare at the heavens and be like, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. It does not mean to stay awake always. In the parable, we see the ten virgins, all ten of them, right? Mark said they were foolish and wise, but all ten of them sleep. Right? Amen for sleep. So then, how? Why? How should we watch? It means to be spiritually awake. Be alive and alert to Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that He gives you now. Use all the means that God has given you to know and love and to trust Him. Be filled with the oil of faith, joy, and hope. And this is important. If you spend all your time being alert, watching, you will miss opportunities to be the lighthouse of Christ. Right? We know how the Gospel of Matthew ends. The Gospel of Matthew doesn't end with Jesus telling His disciples to watch. It tells them to go. Go make disciples. Yes, we should be anticipating and watching for the return of Christ. But we should not merely keep looking for the coming of Jesus. Instead, we should be completing the work of the Great Commission. If we are going to be a church that wants to be the lighthouse of Christ, right? If we just all sit in this building, in this room, then this, this will get very bright in here. And we miss the picture of the ghost share the, your light to others. So we need to be anticipating Christ. Watching for Him. But like Hannah said, not sitting on our bottoms in church or just sitting on our bottoms at our house. We need to be actively participating in the Kingdom of God. The Gospel of Matthew doesn't end with Jesus telling us to wait. It ends with Jesus telling us to go. Be prepared and watchful. Be a disciple. Be a disciple maker. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-11 says. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. our drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another. Build one another up, just as you are doing. So we see as we wait, as we be watchful for God, We are to be a disciple of Christ. And that is important for us. Aragon waited five days for Gandalf to arrive. And in those five days, Aragon did everything he could to hold Helm's deep. He did everything. And Aragon knew what his task was. In Matthew 24, Jesus tells his disciples that do they not know the hour when he will return? In Matthew 25, Jesus calling himself the bridegroom doesn't show up. We even see that he is delayed. We just saw that we need to be watchful, but not watching constantly. Watching shouldn't define us. So what should? Being a disciple of Christ. We put our faith in Jesus, anticipating his arrival, and working out our salvation while we wait. There's a documentary called The Letters to the Exiles. And so what the documentary says is that as Christ. Believers of Christ, as Christians, we live in exile. Okay? Our kingdom, our home is not this place. And so the whole documentary pulls on this thread, what you do with your life matters. And this is not works. Okay? This is saying, how do you use, how do you work out your salvation? In Philippians 2, 12 13, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And this is an ongoing process. It's not once I'm saved, I can sit on the sideline and wait for Christ. And that's important. It means being made in the image of Christ daily through prayer and scripture reading. A good disciple is someone who's always looking at his or her teacher and saying, I want more. I want to spend time with Jesus. I want to spend time in Scripture. Being a disciple means following Him, being molded by Him, and modeling Him to the world. Discipleship isn't an easy task. But Jesus can lighten the load. See, while we wait for Christ, we need to be actively participating in the kingdom of God. We need to be the lighthouse of Christ. Being a disciple means being a disciple 24-7, 365. Because the promise of Philippians 1-6, it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. All right? Right? a good work in you. While we wait, anticipating, but being active, we should be active as disciples of Christ. And if you sit here this morning and you're like, I don't know this Jesus fellow. I don't know what that looks like. You have an opportunity here today to see the promises of what He does for your life. A transformed life. And when you accept Christ into your heart, you are made a disciple. You put on the armor of God. You are saved from sin, and you get to wait excitingly for His return, but at the same time, acti- actively participating in the kingdom of God. Discipleship is a path of obedience, not a path of procrastination. In Hebrews 9.28, it says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear for a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. And so while we wait, we are to be disciples of Christ. Actively participating in the kingdom and being the lighthouse. Be prepared for a long obedience. So we are to faithfully watch as Aragon watched. We are to be a disciple of... Work out our salvation. But there's a a third part of that. And we see this in in the Scripture that we read today. So the next question you need to ask yourself is, are you a wise disciple or a foolish disciple? Because in the Scripture we see Jesus, there are wise and foolish disciples virgins, or young women. They're split into two groups. The wise ones, anticipating a wait, bring a flask of extra oil for their lamps. The foolish ones don't bring a flask of extra oil. Let's see what happens. We see in 7 through 10, then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. So the wise ones were prepared. Right? Jesus tells us that they brought extra oil. But the foolish ones had to go make a last-minute stop at Target to get more oil. <laughs> When they, turned, when they returned from Target, look what happens in Matthew 25, 11 through 12. Afterwards, the virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But well, Listen what the bridegroom says. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. The foolish ones came knocking on the door, and the bridegroom says, I don't know you. So church, I'm going to ask this question again, but in a different way. Are you an authentic disciple of Christ? Do you have a heart of, of a disciple? Because when you come knocking, will Jesus say, good and faithful servant? Or will he say, I don't know you. Authenticity, I believe, is something that kills churches and turns people off to Christianity. There are countless studies and articles online that talk about authenticity being a driving force for leaving or becoming a member of a church. People are hungry for authentic disciples of Christ. We see Jesus even talked about authenticity. Throughout Jesus' earthly mission, you see him tell us uh, so that people will act like a disciple of Christ, but not be authentic about it. Listen to what it says in this Matthew or Luke thirteen twenty three to twenty seven. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door, for many I tell you will seek to answer and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I don't know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, Lord, I attended church. It doesn't say that, but paraphrase it. Lord, I, I attended church, right? I, I went to the prayer meetings. I went to this Bible study. I, I sat and I ate and I drank sweet tea at Wednesday night fellowship. But he will say to you, I don't know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Church, this is the question laid out before us. Is your light shining bright because you brought more oil? Or do you need to run to the store just so your light has a chance? Empty light, empty faith. Do people know you are are a disciple of Christ? Or when you tell them, their next phrase is, oh, I would have never guessed that. Right? Do people at work know you as a disciple of Christ, then as a government employee? A disciple of Christ? Then a teacher? A disciple of Christ? Then a student? Because there's gonna be a time where gonna come knocking and Jesus is gonna be, God, I don't know you. You did not live a faith, life of faith. Your light was flickering. There's going to be a time when Jesus comes back and you're going to be standing at the feast door. Right? Jesus is going to ask, he's he's going to say I don't know you or he's going to say come come in. So how do we know if we are being authentic? How do we know how to act like a disciple of Christ? Right? We read scripture. We study Jesus cuz Jesus was the perfect disciple. In Galatians 2:20 it says I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is at what new creation? The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. 1 Peter 2, 1-3. So put away all malice and all deceit and, all, and hypocrisy and envy and all sin are like newborn infants. Long for the pure spiritual milk. But by a may you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good. And then finally, in Romans eight fourteen seventeen, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the Spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit with spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. And heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And these verses are just scratch the surface. Go study. Look at how Jesus acted. Jesus is the perfect disciple. We need to realize and live out what it means to follow Jesus. And follow Him authentically. Because you're going to fall into two categories authentic disciples and eh, disciples we need to be watchful but at the same time going making disciples being the lighthouse actively participating in the kingdom of god as we wait and watch we need to grow in our faith work out our salvation be authentic followers in christ we need to be the light of christ shining never running out of oil for our lamps it starts with jesus follow him trust him Love him. Jesus was the perfect disciple. He is. He was authentic in every action. So this morning we see that this parable of the ten virgins. They were watchful for the bridegroom. But while they were watching them, they were actively participating. Right? They were they were bridesmaids, so they're doing stuff with the wedding. We need to be actively part, waiting and actively participating in the kingdom of God. Right? And we keep saying it. The Gospel of Matthew doesn't end with Jesus saying, wait. It ends with Jesus saying, go. We see as we wait, we want to be a disciple of Christ. And we want to be authentic disciples of Christ. And I want to quote close with a quote. It's from C.S. Lewis, and it's the end. This is the last page of mere Christianity. One of C.S. Lewis's most famous works. And he says this. He says, lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and the death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. What does it say? But, big but, but look for Christ. And you will find him, and with him everything else thrown in. Are you being watchful, but being actively participating in the kingdom of God? Are you an authentic follower of Christ? When, he comes knock, when you come knocking, would you just be like, yeah, you were the light of Christ? And everyone in this room has the opportunity to be the light of Christ. Everyone in this room has the opportunity to be a disciple of Christ. The Bible is clear. It says when we put our faith in Christ, we are a new creation. The old is dead. It says that when we put our faith in Christ, we are given the Holy Spirit as our guide bible scripture says that jesus has come for all of us that if we put our faith in him we get eternal life that nothing i can do can satisfy god's wrath because it's already been done for me on the cross if that doesn't want you to be a disciple and not participate and get excited and be authentic then i don't know what does let's pray Dear Lord, we're, we're going to move into a time here in a little bit where we get to participate in the best meal ever. We get to eat bread and, and, and take the cup and remind us of, of all what You did on the cross, all what You did for, for human, Lord, Lord, it says in that moment, the, the the veil was torn, the Holy of Holies, and anyone had access to you, Lord. And, and, and that's what it is today, Lord, that anyone in this room has access to you. Lord, I pray that we are watching, actively watching, not sitting on the sidelines, but being a disciple, being a lighthouse, being authentic to this community, Lord. That we come here on Sundays and Wednesdays or whatever to, to get more oil so we can go out. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.